Tiptoe for You with Colin Cullis is proudly sponsored by Revix, the smartest way to invest in cryptocurrencies. The enigmatic founder of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, allocated 1 million Bitcoin to his account when it was created in 2009. It is worth about $30 billion now. Should he, if he exists, or those with access to the account sell even a modest amount, it would drastically affect the price. China has a complicated history with cryptos. Most of the mining was centered in China until recently, with each updated restriction affecting the price. More on the mining element later. In this episode, we look at the influences and influencers on cryptos. Revix founder and CEO Sean Sanders will give you some insights about why someone like Elon Musk might say what he does. Some consider him a major supporter given his statements and often tweets about coins like Bitcoin and the whimsical Dogecoin. But others read an ulterior motive in his seeming support while often just being as critical. This voice note seems to agree. Looking around at the said influences in space, Elon Musk has had some mixed views on Bitcoin. Is he a fan or not? So let's begin with Elon Musk. No stranger to posting things that move the market and that can come back to bite him. One of the first incidents was him tweeting that he would take Tesla private at $420 a share, even though it was only $70 a share at the time. That resulted in an investigation and a requirement that lawyers check his tweets before posting. Instead of posting about the stock market, he has taken to posting about cryptos, something that is not regulated and so no one can really stop him. What's your view on why he does this and what will take to get him and others to stop? Cryptocurrencies are weird. Cryptocurrencies bring about this like tech bro group and tech bro frenzy and Elon fits perfectly into that. And I think if you're looking at his actions, you sort of need to separate his actions from what he's posting on Twitter. Now, sure, don't get me wrong, his uh, Twitter posts and all the rest are actions, but what he's done is he's invested $1.5 billion through Tesla into Bitcoin, right? So that's a lot of money to be investing into Bitcoin. He has then gone out and he has shown opposition to the way that we mine Bitcoin, the high energy usage, the carbon emissions and all the rest that come from coal fired power plants and all the rest and that then has sort of brought this crypto market down when he's posted about that so he has kind of been a little schizophrenic in the crypto space but frankly I mean in my opinion Elon doesn't really care about how he moves the market in some respects I think he has this like power complex where he feels like he can move the markets and he enjoys doing that his promotion of uh, coins like Dogecoin, which is created for fun and has remained worth less than one cent since it was created in 2014 till the end of 2020, shot up to over 63 cents, this is US cents, in May. Although it has come back down to around 20 cents, nevertheless, his influence and the willingness of millions to respond has seen it achieve a market cap of $30 billion. What has his impact on the market in general been and investors' willingness to get involved when volatility has been fueled by a bunch of tweets? So Elon Musk is crypto's biggest influencer, right? Anything he tweets or says, he moves the market. So he's got this massive following of crypto fanatics that will listen to whatever he says and act on whatever he said, right? So if he says that Dogecoin is the next best cryptocurrency, people go and buy it and they'll drive the price up. This is mainly noise in the crypto space. It's a lot of noise. If you're looking at the shorter term volatility in the crypto space, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of volatility from his tweets. Um, you've seen billions of dollars get wiped out of the crypto market as well as billions and billions of dollars move into the crypto market when he's tweeted positively about the space. And that somehow can be an opportunity. I think if you're looking at entering the space, hell, another negative tweet, you want to get into Bitcoin, great, buy in at a 10% discount. If you're looking at sort of a nice time to sell, if you're a trader, fantastic, let him tweet something positive, sell out with a 10% spike in the price and the market will probably move back a little bit. So I think the thing is, you've got to look at the longer term trend. Cryptocurrencies have garnered trillions of dollars over the last 10 years. That is the long term trend. It's a diagonal chart from the bottom left to the top right. All those smaller little blips and moving 
movements up and down, that's noise. And those are the Elon Musk tweets and all the rest. And that's the sort of stuff which at Revix we believe you should ignore when you're investing in any space, never mind just crypto. So have fun with the tweets, just don't base your investments. <laughs> yeah, I would not it. base my investments on it. Well, here's another man who has quite an influence and uh, quite divisive. It's John McAfee. And uh, he was the eccentric founder of McAfee Antivirus and was another pundit, certainly in recent years, uh, for cryptos. Uh, recently, though, U.S. authorities believed he was involved in manipulating the markets, the pump and dump kind of schemes for, for newer type crypto coins and for ultimately, most recently, evading his taxes. He recently died in a Spanish prison after having found out that he would, in fact, be extradited to the U.S. He is an extreme case. But what would be the right way to look to go and regulate people who do have these views about things? So who should be the ones to say what can and can't be said about cryptocurrencies? I suppose in a similar way to what can and can't be said about stock prices and manipulating that environment. So cryptocurrencies are very different from stocks or very different from bonds or other sort of securities that exist out there. Uh, with stocks, you've got a CEO, you've got an executive board. Their job is to manage this company. They have a responsibility to shareholders. They have a responsibility to the general financial market. And their responsibility is to make sure that when they release information, it's released at the same time for everyone so that you have a fair and equitable market. Now, if you're looking at crypto, there's no company involved, right? I mean, sure, there's a whole bunch of companies that are doing mining, trading, etc., etc., but there isn't a company. Bitcoin isn't a company. Ethereum isn't a company. So ultimately, you've got the world's freest market, the world's most open market. I think at the end of the day, you know, when prices go up or down based on tweets, or based on any other big announcement, that's the market doing its thing. People are assigning their money, and again, this is a libertarian sort of view, but people are assigning money to areas that they believe in. And if somebody assigns their money incorrectly, they lose money. And if they assign their money correctly over the long term, they make money. And that's really the opportunity here, I think. If you're looking at crypto and you're looking at its growth over the ex an extended period of time, you know what's going to drive that? Is it increased adoption? Is it improved sentiment? Is it improved regulatory clarity, tax clarity, et cetera, et cetera? It's all those things, of course. But if you're also looking at you know traditional markets, you've got uh, various financial intermediaries, you've got various big players, whether it's you know China coming out and you know making some comment about buying back commodities, that influences the entire market as well. So I don't think we must think about the crypto market sort of you know being full of manipulation, whereas the financial markets aren't because it really is a bit of both in statistics they talk about uh, how to deal with bad data and the solution is add more data i guess when you're saying you have a little bit of noise all of it can have an impact so potentially let's look to get to a point and this seems counterintuitive but we need more noise that way the actual signal as it were uh, can be heard and, and the noise can drift into the background let's pick up again on on the mining and you mentioned uh, the issues with that and, and specifically china and, and the sort of things it's had and the mining is key to maintaining the sort of decentralized aspect and i'm not going to go into too much of the detail it's kind of beyond the the scope of what we wanted to discuss here but it is kind of difficult when you do have as many miners working in China and then the system sort of understanding that and working relatively well and then China looking to clamp down on it. Again, the issue there was the amount of energy it was using uh, and so they simply said they don't want to do that. Of course, there's many others who would say that's not the only reason. There are issues with them not wanting to have something compete with their own you know, authority over it or potentially releasing their own thing. But just in terms of those sorts of aspects, how do you see that, let's say, mining, for example, could be handled better so that it, be it doesn't become a factor that can add to the volatility or the risk inherent in the decentralization of the entire network. Yeah, because that's the powerful thing behind crypto, really, right? I mean, if you're looking at Bitcoin in particular, you've got a decentralized network. That means that you can't take this network down. I mean, right now, China clamped down on all their mining. And I mean, China accounts for about 65% of total Bitcoin mining. And you've still got the network going on, right? Sure, you've seen the hash rate, which is the power behind the network that's declined substantially. But ultimately, the Bitcoin network's just fine. Miners are moving their mining rigs to you know other regions, 
such as Texas, such as Iceland. And that's a powerful thing, right? Because at the end of the day, the power behind Bitcoin's network is its ability to be robust and to continue no matter what happens. And that's obviously been proven now with the Chinese clampdown. I mean, you can have America ban cryptocurrency mining as well, and you'll see the mining move somewhere else. So that's really powerful. And if you're looking at wanting to have a financial system that is free from any central authority, that is what you need to have. You need to have the ability of no central authority to be able to turn it off. And that's what Bitcoin's able to offer. And if you look at mining, mining is really just a way to sort of incentivize independent parties to verify transactions. So when I make a payment from myself to you, you know, how do we know that this payment's actually occurred? A miner needs to go out and verify that transaction. Now we can get into sort of the nitty gritty of how exactly mining works. And there's a variety of different ways that you can mine cryptocurrency, but it's that which is at the essence really what's powering the network. And these miners are also quite powerful from being able to upgrade the network. So cryptocurrency at the end of the day is a technology. And that technology, just like going from Windows 95 to Vista to where we are today, you know, those upgrades, they come about through miners accepting protocol upgrades and all the rest. So it's really important that we do have miners and that they are decentralized. And I suppose there is even an element that says if you don't have too many people mining, i.e. then the network itself has to increase the difficulty to maintain that sort of 10 minute uh, every time a block gets verified, uh, then you will use less power. And so you will make it slightly more worth your while. And imagine Bitcoin has built in that there will only ever be 21 million of them. And we're about at 19 million, if I'm not mistaken now. So the number of Bitcoins that miners will get will get less and less, in which case the incentive to mine will get less while it will always be there. So it'll be people who sort of saying this is sort of a day job rather than a, a gold rush for mining Bitcoins. We have touched on just a few of the people who are influential enough to shift the value of certain crypto assets. It may be useful to track what some are saying to be aware of when you might expect more volatility. But if you have done your homework, the risk may also be an opportunity. In time, the market and the value of the system will be too big for one person to change dramatically. But until then, it'll be part of the crypto landscape. This series is presented by Revix founder and CEO, Sean Sanders, and hosted by me, Colin Cullis. It is produced by Nicola Bruins and published by Prime Media Broadcasting for Revix. If you are feeling ready to move beyond the theory and try this for yourself, be sure to see what's available from Revix.com. Get more detailed information or open an account and try the platform for yourself. Just visit Revix.com. If you have listened to all the episodes so far, you are ready for the next level. Smart contracts, non-fungible tokens, and DeFi, decentralized finance. We hope you join us for those too. Be sure to subscribe, and if you're enjoying it, give us a rating and a comment about what you like. It'll help us get better and hopefully allow more people to find it too. We know there are many options for you to choose from, so thank you for choosing this one. Don't be left behind. To start investing in crypto, just go to Revix.com and sign up for free today.